Welcome to Above and Below, a Salt Life podcast where we're going to be exploring above and below the surface. We'll take in a deep dive into the world of fishing, diving, and surfing. Every week, we're going to sit down with experts to learn more about them and get their freshest, hottest takes on all things salty. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to Above and Below, a Salt Life podcast. I'm your host, Kieran Anderson, and we have Connor Baxter back on with us. What's up, Connor? How are you? Doing good, doing good. Always stoked to be back on the show and always like following along. You guys have so many interesting, cool people and it's it's rad, you know, like a lot of times you have a surf podcast or a fishing podcast, but it's rad to see not only who's on the show, but who's on the team. We have such a diverse team, so stoked to be on and uh, yeah, chatting with you, sir. Dude, super stoked to have you back on. A lot of people... A lot of people that are listening to right now, you got to realize who Connor is. He's the he's an ultimate waterman. This guy is a legend, um, stand up paddleboard champ. This guy's surfs. He's a diver. He's in the water every single day. But for the people that are just learning about you right now, Connor, give us a little um, overview on yourself. Where you're from, what you do, what your hobbies are. Give us a little rundown. For sure, yeah. Obviously, Connor Baxter. I'm from uh, Maui, Hawaii. I was born out here 27 years ago, and uh, been living that waterman water lifestyle ever since you know being on an island you have two choices and you know go now being at this age seeing kids that I went to high school through and college seeing them go off to college you know it's like you either love it and you just dive 100% into it and that's fishing surfing and especially in Maui like Oahu and some of the other islands have really good surf so you become a really good surfer or you get really good waves where Maui we have some incredible waves. We have some of the best waves. They're not super consistent, but in between those swells, like we just saw at Mala's freight trains not too long ago, like there's really fun conditions to go downwind paddle or, okay, the wind's up and there's no waves. Let's go wing on the foil board or let's do, you know, some windsurfing. So there was like always these opportunities to stay busy and I'm seeing it firsthand now, especially now that I have my son, Trestle, how much energy I used to have, still have, but now I know how to maintain it better. But my dad was like, oh, I need to work this kid. Like he needs to take a nap in the car, or sleep, you know, so I want him to go to bed good. So it's always like, wake up, we go surf before school. And then he would drop me off a little bit late, hair is still uh, wet from surfing. And that was kind of that lifestyle, just really being brought up in doing it all and taking advantage. And now, like I said, 27 years later, still super into everything. And uh, stand up, though, out of all of those kind of just took a hold of me. And um, I really love that black and white of racing where it's like, no, I crossed the line, even though I had snot coming out of my nose. I didn't look pretty or whatever mm-hmm. it is. I tripped the line but I tripped across in first place it's very clear so I love that side of it and then the surfing side I've just loved as a hobby more so and just go out there for a few hours not necessarily trying to catch a hundred wave just trying to catch a few really fun quality waves and be there out there with the boys and the girls having a good time so that really took a real easy choice for me and um, now I've been competing in the stand-up world tour for about 14 years now and uh been loving every bits of it brought me around the entire world all different countries and continents and a few world titles later and uh, a lot of memories so sick dude what did you do for that last swell yeah that last swell was uh, definitely a freak one i tended to avoid the madness so i definitely got some fun stuff and just got in the water 
but um, driving by Mala, it was like, oh my gosh, I want to go, or Ma'alaya, I want to go out there so bad. But it was like, just even park or get in there, it was a crazy mad show. And, you know, everybody from everybody on island to off island from international. I mean, you had Billy Kemper chasing that swell from Tahiti straight to Maui. And uh, so you had the legends out there and some of the best guys here in Maui out there. So I did avoid that, but there was swell in the entire island. It was big enough and enough swell to go around for everybody. So I got some super fun uh, day in the water, but nothing crazy. I'm goofy footed too. So I was like, ooh, fate chains, fast right, backhand. I mean, I can get some visions, but maybe go find a little fun left. Yeah, that was pretty, pretty mental. That last swell looked insane. It looks so big, dude. What um, what have you been up to since last time we talked, bro? I mean, any events coming up for you? Training, obviously, your training regimen's insane. But what have you been? Uh, what have you been doing? Yeah, that would be the biggest difference. I feel like the last time we caught up, it was uh, full diverse of uh, you know, dad mode and staying and busy and just kind of keeping active with not a ton of events and things going on. Whereas this year we have a full season. It uh, did get pushed back till um, leaving on Tuesday. So leaving tomorrow, uh, you know, to this later time, August through December. But for instance, yeah, training has been full force, feeling really strong, feeling good in the gym. I've been in a pretty fun rhythm of a day on day off kind of style. So for instance, Monday, go for a pretty hard paddle, really focusing most of the energy and uh, strength on that. And then the rest of the day will be, you know, cross training if there's some good conditions for something else or running around with trestle or something like that. And then the next day, Tuesday will be gym focus. So it was, it's been a nice little rhythm of paddle focus, gym focus, paddle focus, gym focus, getting me strong and prepared. And then for instance, leaving tomorrow to Oklahoma, which will be a fun one to cross off the bucket list. I feel like I always make it to the coastline, right? Like, uh, Florida, New York, uh, Carolina, and then on the, the West Coast, you got Cali, Oregon. I was always just on the coast. So to go to Oklahoma will be pretty rad. They have a big canoe spirit, paddling spirit out there. And this will be um, kind of a qualifiers for the world championships in Poland, which will be the next event that I'll uh, be going to. So out there for a week, come home for five days, off to Europe. Poland will be a big world championships, which is one of our bigger events for the year. You got all the different nations coming. For instance, if this was an Olympic event, this would be a qualifying event to the Olympics, um, things like that. So it's a, you know, fancy gold medal and some bragging rights and a little cash prize to bring home at the end of it. That's freaking epic, dude. So you're going to Oklahoma. I mean, is that a pretty big event? What event is that? I would say on the smaller side, it's going to be the first time it's happening. So I'm really interested and curious to see how many people come out to it and uh, actually participate in it. Um, our sport through the pandemic and everything, we've really seen the amateur side really explode and blow up, which is amazing. So now instead of getting a super stacked elite field and not too many amateurs, it's been the opposite so far this year. And uh, the amateur side of the sport, the age divisions from younger kids to the older adults, um, it definitely has seen it's taken a big rise. So hopefully get a lot of paddlers there. That would be really awesome. But in the sense of, yeah, it's not a world championship, uh, world's tour stop or something like that, where there's a lot more 
um, on it. Win or lose, it doesn't really quite matter. It's more of just kind of getting ourselves situated and qualified um, so that instead of doing 10 or 15 heats when we get to Poland, we can be seated into that like fifth round already and kind of skip a few of those early on rounds. Yeah, dude, that that's that's crazy. It kind of sounds like surf contest too. Like if you <laughs> go on like a, a QS, like where you're seated and stuff, you're like, oh, dude, I got a good spot in this contest. But it's the same thing, dude. It's kind of crazy. I never knew that was like how stand-up paddleboard racing was. Dude, um, I've got a good one for you. So obviously like with the surf industry, you have the surfers that are free surfers or just go out and surf big waves or do events every once in a while. And they're just not training they're just going out and having fun and somehow they do well with sup racing. I feel like every single one of you guys, especially you, like you grind hard. How important is it to have like a training regimen for uh stand up racing? I mean, you're a freaking world champ. So you obviously know this. For sure. Yeah. I think it's super important, whether it's this, like, and it's funny too, because I've ebbed and flowed through these different regiments and plans and training plans and, you know, like five or six years ago, I had this like more Eastern Europe approach to it where it was like work so hard that like when you show up to competition, it's easy. And that was really good. I was mm -hmm. training like two to three times a day, doing an hour paddle, hour run, then a gym session. So like it was absolutely chaotic. But when you did show up to the race, you were like, oh, this is easy, minor. Like I'm not doing a run after this and a, a gym workout. Like, oh, okay, let's go. But it just wasn't necessarily sustainable. Like two, three years of that, I was like burnt out. I wasn't having as much fun. It was too planned, too regimized. So there's this fine balance that I've like just told you of I've been finding, especially now being a father, to kind of have that work play kind of approach to it where it's not every day just work, work, work. Like we live such a busy lifestyle, especially here in Hawaii. There's so many opportunities to stay busy in an active way instead of, you know, like in a city where there's more things to do where you can go and eat or sit or watch there here. It's more go hike, go do, go play and that kind of approach. So you know, going from that to that, it's definitely seeing a difference, but I do find having some type of outline is really important. I mean, especially for me, um, it's like, if you don't have that written down or don't have that week plan, it's really hard to wake up and be like, oh, okay, what am I going to do today? And, uh, I guess I can do this, or I guess I'll do this, you know? And sometimes, oh, well, it's not perfect, or it's a little too windy. Like I'll skip it where if you have it written down, it's a little bit more like, okay, no, this is what I'm doing today. Let's go. Let's do it. And it just kind of keeps you in that rhythm, keeps you kind of held accountable. Um, and like I said, I don't think as long as it's something like it doesn't even, especially I know everyone has a busy work week or busy, busy days, you know, so just having some type of rhythm that you can get into where it's like, even in work, you know, I'm sitting on the computer from nine to five. Oh, okay. Let's do, you know, like every hour stand up and do 10 squats or, you know, just finding something that works and kind of flows with your lifestyle and something that's sustainable. Like it's crazy. Cause it's like a lot of people want to, whether it's eating training or whatever it is, it's like, Oh no, I got to do it hundred thousand percent. And I can't eat any gluten or I can't do any of this TV or, in, you know, like it's finding this balance where something that's sustainable, you still can have the pleasures and enjoyments of life and in the world 
and then still work really hard. Like you see a lot of athletes do it and you see them talking and, you know, like they're like, it's no one gets it easy, right? Like not even the best of the best get it easy. They're on the court or on the field or in the water working those extra hours. So it's still really important to get that in. But finding that balance, really, I think something that's coming out more and more nowadays is uh, that recovery side of things. Because, yeah, you can paddle or work out Monday through Saturday, but are those paddles and workouts um, optimal? Are you showing up to them 100%, right? So recovery is becoming more of an importance, and that's becoming part of the training yeah. regimen, part of the training uh, routine. Um, so for me, I would say it's definitely important to have something, but like I said, I wouldn't be so strict on it and I wouldn't go to the extreme. So finding something that just works for your lifestyle, something that works with your, um, week to day base. What's your daily regimen or you, your day on day off right now. So what is your regimen? What do you usually do? Yeah. So for that work week, um, typically have one day where it's a rest day where I can just kind of cruise. If I have time, jump in a sauna or an ice bath. Um, and then the rest of the days would be that day on day off paddling kind of gym workout. And it kind of, uh, bases on, you know, where I am in the season right now, we're pretty much in season. So everything is tapered down to a lot shorter stuff on the water. So I'm not out there for a really long time but the quality of work is really high and very intense. So for instance, yesterday was 10 times 30 sprinting. So it was like 10 times going all out as hard as you can for 30 seconds and then resting in between and then doing that for, you know, an hour basically. And uh, whereas like earlier this year, it was more base work, kind of getting that, building that engine, so to speak. And you're doing longer stuff, but in a lower heart rate, little less intense, but you're going for an hour and a half, two hours of paddling, uh, going from Maui to Molokai, which for instance, was one of my training runs, three and a half hours paddling, just building up that longer endurance, that longer, um, kind of, you know, that diesel engine. And then now it's more into that sprinty high rev, high output, you know, not paddling long, like I said, but really quality work. So that when I show up in Oklahoma, I'll have that real light spark, that real fast touch, that fast twitch muscles ready to go for like the 200 meter mm -hmm. sprint, uh, the thousand meter technical race, which is really sprinty, turny. Uh, there'll also be a distance race, which I haven't been necessarily focusing on too much. It's definitely part of our kind of career and, and industry you have to do everything, distance, sprinting and everything. But Last few years, I definitely have taken grasp of the technical stuff, the more shorter sprinty stuff. And I just found that it's one, it's excited. I'm really excited to train for it. I like that kind of training. And then the biggest thing is when I show up on the start line, I'm like a little kid on Christmas day, right? I'm just frothed out, can't control it. Whereas like I show up for a distance race, it's a little bit different. It's more of that you know, biking tour to France style where you're hopping into a draft. You got to keep your composure too. Yeah. And you got to keep your composure for an hour and a half of just going, going, going where the sprinting's this like high output. Boom. Okay. I just did a 45, 50 second sprint. Now let's rest, recover, get ready for the next round. Cause it's like surfing where eight of us will go, four of us advance, eight of us will go, four of us advance. And then you get to the finals. With like that being said, agility training obviously takes a huge toll into this, right? So um, being able to last forever too, like that to me, like is insane because 
you can go run like a mile and you're like, yeah, I just ran a mile in five minutes and 30 seconds, but it's the people that can run 30 miles at a seven minute pace, right? It's those guys that can just keep going and prolonging that. Um, and I think that for you, like you're doing that day on day off and you were just talking about how to Molokai was like three hours or whatever. Like you're paddling that whole time, dude. Like you're literally paddling that whole time and your heart rate is a steady heart rate and you're training up to that. Like what, what else can you like talk to us about with agility training to be able to last and stuff? What else can you do to do that? I mean, I need to work on that too. I'm, sometimes like when I'm paddling out at OB San Francisco, I'm like, dude, I'm not going to make it. Like this is so gnarly, but you just have to keep pushing. I think a lot of it is a mental game, but at the end of the day, you have to train for it too. Yeah, I think there's three big key components in that. And training is definitely one of them. There's no way around it, really. Like you can, you can kind of get away with it for a little bit of time. And there's a lot of those athletes we know, or some of those free surfers that we know that, and even paddlers in this sport that like a couple weeks ago or a month ago, we had a person come back into competition without competing or training for so long and just super well, right. In the sprinting stuff, but then you go into mm -hmm. the distance where it is that longer, yeah, keep up that pace instead of for a short amount of time and being tactical and smart, you got to be just pure work ethic and grind it out. But yeah, so training would be one of those key components. Uh, another big one that I've been playing around with and finding is um, just nutrition. Like, I feel like your body can sustain and go a lot longer and be more sustained through things if you're fueling it properly. And just look like looking at cars, for instance, as an example, like you have to, you're required to put the premium fuel in the Mercedes and those more expensive cars. It's not because they want you to spend more money. And yes, if you put the less quality fuel in that car, is it going to run? Yeah, it's going to run, but it's not going to run to its truest highest potential and also over time so not in this short little window but in the next few years things are going to start breaking down things are not going to be running as good so looking as nutrition as a whole picture not just like oh what am i eating the night before it's no what am i eating the month before the week before the days before and what am i eating and fueling the two hours before the race and what am i refueling because if as soon as you go over an hour of any sport whether it's surfing paddling or anything as soon as you cross that hour you got to start putting stuff back into your body your body can sustain it for an hour but then got to start putting back electrolytes and minerals and carbs or if you're doing more of a keto you have to get more fats in you so nutrition has definitely been one of those things it's not going to make you go from last to first but it could make you go stay in that 10th place or ninth place at a more sustainable comfortable rate and that's kind of one thing I've been really focusing and uh, kind of tuning in on. Last thing would be 100% what you said, and that's the mental game. The mental game is so big, and I've seen it so many times firsthand personally where, like I said, showing up on that start line really excited and winning the race like there was no one else there. And then the other day is showing up to that start line, not super excited for it, not necessarily like kind of asking myself questions or did I train enough or did I, you know, like not having that little hesitation and then boom, yeah, you see it right there. You don't have that, what I call that competition gear. Like we all train here, but then when competition arises, we got to go here. And the only way to do that is in competition. Really, it's really hard unless 
you have a solid training group, it's really hard to go from there to there in everyday training. We can try to, but as soon as competition, everyone turns it up a notch. So I like to explain it as the professor and chimp mind. Basically, you got the chimp mind on one side saying, ah, this sucks. Let's go get some water. Let's have a beer. This sucks. Like, why are you doing this? Like, what's the point? And then you got the professor mind saying, no, this is, this is good. My body can do this and I can do this. And no, no, this is, this is all right. Everything's okay. And the biggest thing is your body won't go to those places unless your mind allows it. So first thing is kind of getting your mind through that barrier and then your body will follow along, but then it's only going to go as long as it's fueled and as long as it's, you know, trained for in, in that sense. So all those little components leading up training, nutrition, and then game day comes, it really comes down to, okay, is my mindset right? What do you have for like a, a pre-competition warm-up, like food nutrition-wise and a uh, physical-wise? Like do you have like a pre-warm-up? Yeah, I mean, my pre-warm-up ritual starts more or less, say if I'm competing on Saturday, I'm already trying to get into that routine on Thursday. So Thursday is my big, big carbohydrate meal. So big thing of pasta or big thing of rice with some protein, a little bit of veggies. Um, Friday, same thing, more or less, kind of just get on the water, check out the race course, see how the water's moving, especially when I go to new places like Oklahoma, it could be a completely flat lake, but there could be some underlying currents or this or shallow spots. So I always like to kind of the day before check out the race course, get a little warm up paddle in, kind of get the body used to that climate in that area. Here in Hawaii, it's super humid. And sometimes when we travel to other places, it's very dry. So getting the lungs kind of used to that dry air, kind of opening it up a bit. And then game day comes Saturday or Sunday, whatever day it is racing. And typically two hours, two and a half hours before the race, I like to eat my pre-race meal. And that typically is like real simple carbs so it'll either do like one cup of cooked white rice some coconut oil and salt so you got carbs some fats and some minerals from the salt or i'll do the same thing but with sweet potato either dice it up or make some mashed sweet potato about a cup of that salt coconut oil same thing and that's two hours two and a half hours before the race and like i said like that's gonna keep me going after that hour mark or you know but the days before loading up all those foods and nutrition that's going to fuel me at that start of that race so that's why i say my ritual starts so far before and then once that happens you got like an hour before two hours before the race start getting warmed up lightly have some stretches some things on the kind of more dynamic things on the beach and then right before the race i kind of like to just sit in the sand bury my toes into the sand or wherever i am at and just kind of just go into that mental zone of just kind of staring into the abyss that zen yeah either closing my eyes or put some headphones in really doesn't matter as long as i just kind of feel connected to the ground barefoot kind of staring off into the horizon and kind of just running through all the things a little bit and then as it gets closer turn it all off and just kind of remind myself like okay i did my training i did my nutrition i did this i know what to do now let's just go have some fun so as far as tools that you use you were talking about like how you do ice baths and stuff like that how important is that to you to use an ice bath because i've seen like the gnarliest stuff on instagram lately of people using ice baths to like cure and stuff like that to like really just like 
know what your body can do and, and work through your body and teach your body how to do different stuff. But like the ice baths and saunas and the tools that you have, what are your biggest tools and um, tell us about them. Free kind of hacks or tools that I like to use are breath work. I like to use grounding and sunlight, things like this is free access to it pretty much 100% of the time. So breath work is super cool. You can do some Wim Hof or any of these kind of people that you follow or have talked about breath work for meditation or for preparation or, you know, stuff to calm you down or bring you back into the present time. I think these are all really good tools that you can utilize before a competition, before a stressful day at work, or you're in the car stuck in traffic or things like that. Um, breath work is a really cool hack or tool to use as well. Um, grounding something here in Hawaii we're very fortunate uh, for and uh, something I grew up doing not even knowing I was doing but just walking around barefoot being in the present time and place right there grounded into that zone that time zone I think is so important it really pulls you into that area and all the other stuff especially if you're walking on the beach there's the negative ions so it's just all these little things that you don't really pick up on but on a ancestral thing, something we've been doing for centuries, things that are, you know, the people that were considered the doctors or the, the health herbalist people, like they're recommending you to do that, not because you are sick, but it's to prevent you from getting sick. So those are really cool things. And then sunlight, another really good one. I mean, not necessarily going out at 12 o'clock or one o'clock in the day and getting fried, but that morning sunlight is super key our circadian rhythm that's really just allowing our body okay let's wake up let's rise let's uh, produce all that serotonin and get in all that energy and like you get kind of charged up and then that really signals your body um, to then go on for the most part and have a good night of rest at the end of the day so not always wearing sunglasses especially in the morning and afternoon time midday you got to i mean it's not necessarily the healthiest thing so knowing when and where um, and tools to, you know, help supercharge you. And like I was talking about earlier, it's just like nowadays everyone is at this level, right? And everyone knows how to get to that level because it's pretty straight and forward. You got to go work. You got to go paddle. You got to go put the time on the water. It doesn't just happen overnight. But then from here to here is really difficult to get there. And how do you get there? Little things like this, those little 1% gains instead of showing up to practice feeling 70%, I can show up to practice every day feeling 90 or 100% because I spent the extra hour or two hours recovering or rolling out or stretching or things like that. And that's really been uh, game changing for me personally. And it's, it's something my body likes. I feel really good. I feel well rested. My I'm getting better sleep by getting deep sleep and waking up in the morning feeling rested. So um, just on a life spectrum it's you know making my everyday life more enjoyable as well so not only helping competition using those tools but also yeah it's uh, pretty amazing to just have every day what about recovery i mean lastly that's the end of it right like with recovery what what's your what does that phase look like the recovery, especially that one day of week for me is really important. Um, and recovery is kind of a big spectrum. I find it uh, a lot of things go under into that because it's even just family time, quality time with wife and things like that really pull into that whole recovery spectrum. Uh, when I have time, 
a sauna, an ice bath, jumping on the Normatec boots or some red light therapy. All those things are very amazing. And, you know, and especially when I'm home, very easy to use and take advantage of. But traveling six months out of the year, you don't travel with the sauna or the ice bath or some of these things. Taking advantage of the smaller tools like a, a foam roller or a massage gun or things like that, your breath work, things like that. Um, taking it on the road. And then obviously when you go, I mean, for me, at least when I go to like Europe or some of these places, you take a cold shower and it's cold enough to kind of get a similar effect, you know, here in Hawaii, we got bathtub water coming out. So yeah, I mean, recovery is a really fun and important thing. And it seems like too, like if you look on it in cross all sport, especially looking at some of the greats, Tom Brady, for instance, he's going into whatever his, I don't even know, 20th season, probably, it seems like. And he's still going at the oldest one to do it. And you talk and look and read his books and listen to what he's talking about. And he's not in the gym lifting 500 pounds like you see those videos with the whole team hyping everybody up. He's in the gym recovering. He's in the gym getting pliable. So doing more small movements and these little muscles and activating the whole body instead of just the shoulder to throw it. He's throwing that ball from the ground. His foot is connected into the ground. So that's uh, the kind of approach that I've been trying to take to make it more sustainable because yeah, an athletic career is not forever. So how do you make it longer and more sustainable and more enjoyable? Absolutely, dude. Yeah, it's pretty, it's pretty amazing to like see how long people's careers are and stuff too. And like you do such a good job of like providing knowledge and stuff too on your Instagram. Like first off, shout out your Instagram because it's super rad to watch that. Yeah, yeah. Convacts, give it a follow for sure. It's family, health, <laughs> a little bit of travel, some action there every now and then. <laughs> yeah, absolutely, dude. It's, it's so fun like talking to you and talking to you about this and picking your brain. I know we had some technical difficulties, but... Dude, it's, it's always a pleasure having you on here and talking to you about this stuff. And I'm feel, I feel like you're the type of guy, too, that if people had questions in regards to this, they could totally like DM you on Instagram, yeah? I was literally, that was my next thing out of my mouth. I was like, yeah, I mean, it's cool to listen to podcasts and learn and gather information, but sometimes getting and reaching out to those people may seem intimidating or, oh, it's just going to go to their junk mail or go to their you know, request folder, but don't hesitate. I'm always willing to try to answer messages or answer questions. Um, it's something that I'm very passionate about, something that, you know, I have done a lot of my own research and reached out to other people for information and knowledge. So, I have a pretty good wealth of knowledge and, and questions and things like that. So definitely reach out on Instagram or shoot me a message and uh, I'll try to get back to you guys for sure. So sick. Thank you, Connor, so much for going through this stuff, dude. I really appreciate it, bro. Yeah. Thank you, man. And thanks to Salt Life. Shout out to yeah. them. Uh, amazing company to make these kind of things possible. And uh, yeah, keeping us fresh and clean in the clothing. And yeah, thank you for your time. You've been killing it, getting to talk to a lot of cool people. It's so fun, dude. It's so fun. I can't wait for the next time. Hopefully we get you back on here soon, dude. Um, and we'll catch you guys next time. Dude, thank you for listening in to today's podcast. And thank you, Connor. Until then, live salty. Thanks for listening in to Above and Below a Salt Life podcast. Make sure to follow us on Instagram at Real Salt Life. If you've enjoyed this episode, rate and review us on Apple or Spotify or wherever you listen to your podcast to help spread the word. And remember, stay salty.